We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hello baseball fans, wherever you are. And a warm welcome to the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Richard, and together with fellow Bullpen Bros, Alan, Yorkshire Dave, and Dave Jr., we're going to wrap up our preview of the MLB season with a fantastic interview with Southside Zoe from the Pinwheels and Ivy Chicago Baseball Podcast. Now, Chicago, home to around 3 million people and one of America's greatest cities, it's also a sports-mad town, so we've got a lot to pack in today. We'll cover the Cubs and the White Sox, and we'll also talk about former President Barack Obama and legendary Scottish author Irvin Welsh. So we're delighted to welcome Zoe to our neighbourhood here in the Highland Bullpen. Zoe, thanks a lot for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, guys. I, I, you know, when you uh, when you messaged us, you know, I, I was very intrigued and I looked into it a little bit and... I think this is really cool. I love that you guys have got this going on in Scotland. I think this is awesome. Zoe, just to kind of introduce yourself and, and maybe talk a wee bit if it's okay about Pinwheels and Ivy, which we know is a terrific podcast for Chicago Cubs and White Sox fans. Yeah, so, you know, my government name, as we like to say here, is Matt Sawaski, but I've been called Zoe since probably seventh grade in uh, grade school. I've been blogging and writing about the White Sox for, oh man, probably about 10 years. Been a fan my whole life since my dad took me took me to the game. What's the saying? I was knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, I actually got to go to games in the old stadium, which was awesome. Um, I barely remember. I was way too young. So I got together with two of my really good buddies, Kay Fids and Aldo. They're handsome, but they're not smart. And they're Cubs fans. We decided, you know, there's a lot of really, really, really good podcasts in Chicago. A lot of sports fans. It's a great sports town. And the podcasts are either all White Sox or all Cubs. And we decided, you know, let's do it a little bit different. Let's have ours be both Cubs and White Sox, which I think it's great that you guys have four different teams on this show. That's that's awesome to me. Kevin and Aldo are very, very smart. You guys know who Chris Bryan is, the third baseman for the Cubs. Kevin was his coach in high school. Well, yeah, Kevin's actually really close with him and a lot of other major league baseball players. Kevin's out in Las Vegas, eats, sleeps and drinks baseball and he drinks a lot. But that's another (laughs) thing. But uh, (laughs) we'd get on well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cheers. I got my official pinwheels and Ivy mug, but I got a nice in here for you. Yeah. And, you know, we've been doing the podcast now for about three years. I go by many a different aliases on Twitter, Southside Zoe, Father Zoe. I've been called the Pope of Twitter, all <laughs> kinds of fun stuff. It's just everybody's having a good time. And, you know, we've been through some pretty rough seasons, if you will. But I think it's time for the sun to start shining on this dog's ass. And uh, we're ready to have a great season this year. So I'm really excited. Dave, do you mind if I just chip in there? Because I, I wrote this down and... I've just thought about the White Sox, and I think it's a quite a good quote. I don't know what, whether you'll agree, but 
you don't hire Tony La Russa to build for the future. No. So this is going to be your season, I think. I would agree. Uh, I think Tony's at the stage of his life when he wakes up, he's like, yes, <laughs> more day. Uh, so you, you're definitely not building for the future with Tony and bringing in a Hall of Fame manager for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to win now. And uh, I think we're in a great, great position to do that. Who was your, you mentioned there you'd actually been to Comiskey Park then, so you can, you went your first game. So yeah, that's fantastic. Did you have a favorite player growing up when you were a youngster? Oh, without a doubt, 37 years old. So anyone that's around my age, if you ask 10 people that are around my age, nine out of 10 of them are going to tell you Frank Thomas. He's the big hurt. He was the MVP. People, you know, Mike Trout, without a doubt, is a phenomenal baseball player right now. And uh, he does everything. But it's funny if you go back and White Sox fans love to do this. If you put Mike Trout stats up next to Frank Thomas's, Frank Thomas was the better hitter of the two. Mike Trout, hands down, better base runner, better fielder, better all-around player. And even saying that right now, I might get someone throw a rock through my window in White Sox fandom. But it was easily Frank Thomas. Uh, I loved Robin Ventura. And you got to remember, I love Robin Ventura, the player, not the manager, because he stunk as a manager. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, pitching-wise, it was always Blackjack McDowell and uh, Mark Burley. Real, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but real quick with Mark, me and Mark Burley have a very weird relationship. He, Mark doesn't know who I am, but I've been at every game where he did something really cool. I was at his perfect game. I was at the game. He hit his only home run. So it was just like, Mark Burley's my guy. I show up, Mark Burley does cool things. So I'm still waiting for the check in the mail, but <laughs> you're a lucky mascot. You bring him good luck. Yes, exactly. Dave Jr. Do you have a favorite White Sox player then from, from your time as a fan? Oh, you know, so I haven't been a White Sox fan for too long. So, you know, growing up in the UK, we don't really, baseball just isn't a thing. Again, it's even only in the last five, 10 years that we've really started good coverage over here on our TV stations. Again, it's it's just a UK thing that we're, we're naturally kind of soccer fans. Right. So that's how we all met. That's how we've all became quite close. And it was 2017, I was over in Chicago and, uh, you might get angry at this. Uh, what I wanted to do was see all the different sporting venues. So I got along to Soldier Field, uh, got along to see Chicago Fire. Uh, Alan, who at that point was probably my main sort of baseball friend, told me, you know, you need to go and see the Cubs. They've just won the World Series. No, it's, you do. It's a great day out. And I think, you know, David spoken about, you know, he, he visited regularly before and spoke about it quite a lot. So I was really excited to go and see the Cubs. But again, wanting to do the city justice and, and see as many sports teams as I could, I picked up a ticket to go and see the White Sox take on Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love, you know, the from the girl selling me my ticket into just sitting in the stadium, being made to feel fantastic, you know, coming down. And I even I done the big kid thing. I got my welcome pack, got my badge, my certificate <laughs> for visiting my first ever game. That's awesome. Um, just witnessing absolutely everything throughout that game and, and it being my first ever baseball game, for my first White Sox game. You know, Matty Davidson hit a home run. I got to see just everything unfolding. We got a win. And I think ever since then, I just, I didn't even go to see the Cubs. I thought, White Sox, that's my team. That's, that's who I'm going to follow. So I've never had the kind of hurt and the pain that you've had over the last <laughs> last few years during the rebuild, I've not yeah. really had that. 
it was a bit of a struggle watching us for a couple of years there, seeing everything start to unfold in the last year or two, seeing Eloy come in the scene, you know, seeing uh, Lou Rob coming on last year, you know, this year. It's just, I'm a bit like you, I'm a huge Nick Madrigal fan. Yes. Just, <laughs> oh, I just, I cannot wait for him to hit one at the park. Yeah, it's just, I'm really, it might sound normal to you guys, but over here, I'm sitting every single night watching spring training, every match, just loving, you know, watching Vaughn swing through a ball. Oh, it's just, it's a thing of beauty. And I'm just, I'm so excited for this season. This, this I'm, I'm not good. This story makes me so happy. The reason why, because Alan, you're absolutely right. And, you know, if someone comes in from out of town, let alone out of the country, yeah. nine times out of 10, people say, go to Wrigley. Wrigley Field's the historical baseball field. It, it is a it is a historical field. Wrigley has a different atmosphere than the South Side and the North Side of Chicago. They might as well be two different countries. Around Wrigley, they have you know the bars and the restaurants, and it's a little bit of um how do I say this politely? They got a little bit more money, and there's actually a lot of what we like to call in Chicago. I'm born and raised on the South Side of Chicago, but what we call we like to call them transplants. And what transplants are, are people that live outside of Chicago and then they graduate, well, you get, well, university, and they come to Chicago afterwards to, you know, get a job, make a living. And a lot of those transplants live in Wrigley. So you can go to a game in Wrigley and sit in a bar and you'll be talking to someone and they'll be like, oh, I've been a Cubs fan for a long time. Oh, okay. So you're from Chicago. No, I'm from Michigan. Like what? Wait, what? Now, when you come to the South Side, and again, I don't want to insult anybody, but the South Side's a little bit more authentic. South Side is where you're going to find people that have lived in Chicago their whole life. My dad grew up on the South Side. My grandpa grew up on the South Side. You know, you're going to see more generations. It's a little bit more working class. There's not as much to do around the ballpark. But the one big difference is, do you guys have tailgating? Yeah, kind of. It's. It's not as wonderful. Ours is a bit more illegal. <laughs> okay. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, on the South side, tailgating is like not only encouraged, but it's like a, it's a culture. People, you know, people from tailgating, like there's this whole, like, you know, like the guys, this crew, they call themselves like the one away crew. They're going to be in lot B and they're going to have a lot of beverages and food and, games and everybody goes there and you know has one too many and then shovels themselves into you can't do that at Wrigley you got to go to a bar and spend a hundred bucks to catch a buzz before you can go into the game and spend another hundred bucks because it's expensive so it's it's different cultures and so to hear that you came from overseas and you went to the south side and you fell in love with it like that and that I mean that's a wonderful tale you just told I mean that that just my heart just grew. It was awesome because I grew up here and I, I love this more than anything. So that was awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me. That oh, was fantastic. I just loved it. You know, making my way through in the train. It was just, you, you felt something and it's just that whole day made the world to me. I, I do look back with a little bit of regret that because I didn't know the history, I didn't really know what to go and do or see beforehand. You know, so I, I can't wait. Next time, once we're able to travel, I just can't wait to come back and do everything properly. See a few games, see a series, see the pennant flying. Yeah, well, hopefully. <laughs> Dave Junior, how long were you there for? I just about five days. Because we'll, we'll go back into the baseball zone, but can you tell us a little bit? Chicago is obviously a wonderful city and a famous city. 
but you're a long way away. Could you, can you tell some of our listeners what kind of city Chicago is? Oh, absolutely. I love my city. I, I mean, I see you guys, the, I'm, all right, guys, don't get mad at me. Cards on the table. I'm not a big soccer guy. Sorry. That's just the American in me. Not a big soccer guy. My little brother is though. I can't remember what team he likes, but I know they were blue. He loves soccer. He, he's actually brought me out to a bar at like two, three in the morning because of the time difference to watch his team play. And I had a ball. I mean, it was a blast. I just never really got into it. Baseball was always my thing. The passion that I see in, you know, Europe for your soccer teams. I'm not going to say that Chicago has that same passion because you guys are crazy about soccer, but it's up there. And I mean, especially with the Blackhawks and the Bears, you know, the whole city unites because we have one hockey team, one football team. But then baseball gets interesting because you have the Cubs and the Sox and it's north side versus south side. And, you know, sometimes it can get a little heated and it's definitely a very big rivalry. And Cubs fans call White Sox fans hillbillies and Sox fans call Cubs fans, you know, snobs and rich boy and all that stuff. And there's a it's a conflict. but Chicago is a very, very passionate sports town, very passionate sports town. And we haven't had a really good run lately in any team. The Blackhawks, our our hockey team was, uh, was dominant for a little bit there. That was a lot of fun. And the bears have stunk for 20 years. Bulls, obviously in the nineties with Michael Jordan, they were the best team in the, the world, but they've been pretty bad lately. And then the white Sox, we got our world series in 2005 and since then, it's been a little bit of a rocky road. Cubs had a nice World Series win a couple of years ago. And, you know, I was happy for my Cubs fan friends, like, cool. But at the same time, I was sitting there going, I had some choice words in my head because I was jealous. Extremely passionate, you know, and Chicago is definitely a, uh, I would say, a working class type city. Uh, we like we have a saying here that we like to use a lot. It's called 10 toes down. That just means you, you know, you get your feet planted and you just go to work. So you'll hear if someone describes someone else, they'll be like, oh, you know, this is my friend, David. He's a real, you know, a good guy, 10 toes down type of guy. And if I say that, that means he's a hard worker. He's one of us, you know, so, I mean, you hear some bad, Chicago's got some bad press, especially lately. It's, it's a tough town. You know, there's neighborhoods you don't want to go into after dark and all around town. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that's everywhere in the world, but I love this city just because it still strives on neighborhoods. So the city of Chicago is made up of a bunch of different neighborhoods. So I can meet someone that I've never met before in my life. And they'll say, where'd you grow up? And I say, Beverly. And they'll know right away. I'm from the South side of Chicago. I'm probably a White Sox fan. I probably went to this church. I probably went here. I probably know your cousin. I probably, you know what I mean? It's just like, and it, it's, it's a tight knit in that aspect of it we have the downtown area and it's nice. I actually, that's where my day job is. And there's some really cool, but it's a city, very rich in culture. Uh, we love our food like a lot. <laughs> we love our drink a lot and it's a good time. I, like I said, I, I love my city. Like I, I put on for my city all the time. I love this. It's my town, especially the South side. Hence the name South side. Zoe. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I was going to, just a couple of observations, maybe first as well. You, you say about the food. My partner's son-in-law, he wrote a book on eating places in Chicago as well. In fact, I think, uh, did, I, did I lend it to yourself, Skelts? When, yeah, uh, yeah. When you went to Chicago, yeah, just give, give a few ideas of places to go. So, 
yeah, I'll, I'll take responsibility for suggesting that he went to see the Cubs. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd gone the year before, as with a lot of these things, trip for a specific reason, but I, I scheduled it around a range of sports. So the week I got was something like the first week of October. So I was able to see the Blackhawks, the Bears, and Chicago Fire. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. As it happened, the, the Cubs were playing in the first of the playoffs. So I'd been to a couple of baseball games before, but didn't really have any major allegiances. So that was quite exciting for me to be in the city and mm-hmm. the, when they were in the playoffs and then to get through to the be the World Series champions. So there was something there, there, there was something in that. But I, I, yeah, I was, I was happy when Dave came back. He sent me a wee postcard from Guaranteed Rate Field and what have you. So mm-hmm. it, it was good when he came back with a passion for the game. But one thing that's always intrigued me about the Sox and the Cubs, and, and forgive me if I'm off bat on this, but the Cubs like a, are a much bigger worldwide brand in terms of baseball. We would have in, in the UK in soccer, we'll have big city rivalries where we'll have plenty of cities where there's two, three big teams in the one city and they're quite strong rivals. American sport doesn't seem to be the same. It's like the, the Cubs are bigger than the the Sox, the Yankees bigger than the Mets, the Dodgers bigger than the Angels. But have we got the wrong impression there or is that a fair assessment? It's a very fair assessment. The way that this happened back in the 80s and 90s and probably the early 2000s, the Cubs were on a television network called WGN. And WGN was a national network and you didn't have to purchase cable. All you had to have was the antenna on your TV and you can watch WGN. So people all over the country were able to watch Cubs games for free. Because of that, people grew up watching the Cubs, people, and they became Cubs fans for life. Where the White Sox, you know, you'd have to pay, you have to purchase cable. They were only broadcast locally. I mean, now with the internet and everything, I can watch any game anytime I want, whenever. But that's how the Cubs fans the it kind of spread so wildly and you know that carries over your grandpa grew up watching cubs on wgn now your dad's a cubs fan and now you're a cubs fan and now your son's going to be a cubs fan and it goes on and on and on so that's it's a very fair assessment the the yankees are definitely bigger than the mess but that's the new york yankees everybody knows the yankees that's from mickey mantle joe dimaggio i mean that was the the heyday it's the dodgers same deal la is just such a way bigger market and the Angels are in this a much smaller town than L.A. Uh, Anaheim is nowhere near. And I mean, L.A., you get the celebrity factor. Same with New York, actually, the Yankees, yeah. where, you know, you'll see in the crowd and you'll see a movie star. And now it's woo, like, but you're not going to see that too much on the south side of Chicago. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it's it's that's a very fair assessment. It's definitely accurate. And it's something that White Sox fans almost wear as a badge of honor, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. like we're, we're the little guy, we're the fighters. Yeah, we might not be on TV, but we'll drink 30 beers and still <laughs> beat your team. You know, like it's <laughs> it's all in good fun, but there's a little chip on our shoulder, definitely. Is there something in the fact that until recently, uh, it's a relatively recent thing, the interleague play, um, before that you're in different leagues, when we're AL and the American League and the National League. So you wouldn't have played each other on a regular basis until the sort of postseason. You know, a lot of the rivalry in British sports, especially football, comes from, you know, the two big teams in Glasgow, Celtic and Rangers will play each other 
four times a year, and that tends to ramp up the rivalry ever so slightly. So is there maybe something in that? You're 100% correct. The evolution of interleague play has definitely enhanced those rivalries. Like in New York, they call it the Subway Series. When the Yankees play the Mets in Chicago, it's the L train series because you could take the L train from one park to the other. And I think in California, they call it the freeway series because all they do is drive on the freeway out there. I don't know. I'm from the Midwest. Don't get me started on California. The Cubs and the Sox, when they first started the interleague games, they would always schedule them on the weekends. Bad idea. And they learned real quick why that was a that was a bad idea because you know nobody's going to work everybody's going to have a couple drinks and then you know tempers flared and it was just there was some fights. Oh really? I'm sure I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Being soccer fans, I've seen the videos. Don't act like you guys are angels. I've seen all those videos. But so now when they schedule the Cubs Sox games, they usually schedule those during the week, and they try to schedule them during the day. So it'll be like on a random Tuesday afternoon, and you're like, yeah. I got to work. What is this? But the rivalry's still there without a doubt. And yeah, no, it definitely, definitely enhanced it big time. They do try and do that here. Like they'll have their kickoff time um, for the Celtic Rangers game, sort of 12 o'clock midday. Mm-hmm. But people just Sunday. three or four hours earlier to start drinking. And yeah. Get, yeah. You know. Oh yeah. It's sports. Give, give a guy an excuse. That's all you got to yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. no, absolutely. So, Zoe, obviously, the Sox and the Cubs have got a fierce rivalry there. But out with the city of Chicago, what are the teams that you really love to hate? Who the White Sox fans love to hate? Number one, and I mean, everybody, people will probably give you different answers. For me personally, number one, without a doubt, is the Minnesota Twins. I hate the Minnesota Twins. I absolutely, you see my fist clench. I hate the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> yeah, both of them. I'm, yeah, they uh, and it, it's strictly, you know, geographical, you know, Minnesota and Chicago. They're so close. They have a fantastic new ballpark. I went there top of the line, everything. They've always been good. Our old manager, Ozzie Guillen, actually called them the, the piranhas because they were just like little pesky fish that would just bite you and they would nip you a hundred times to death. Um, they've always been really good. In my opinion, that's our biggest rival. After that, you know, it'd probably be Cleveland. You put Detroit and Kansas City together. Sorry, Alan, but they got to get they got to be put together a better team before I start getting too much in the rivalry with them. Uh, but yeah, those are the AL Central guys, and you know, those are you got to win your division before you can start making noise in the playoffs. And those are the teams, like you mentioned, that we play shoot 20 something times during the course of a season. So you start to really hate guys. And even last year against the twins, Josh Donaldson, their third baseman hit a home run. And then he crossed home plate and was doing his little wiggle. I want to knock his teeth out, but he, uh, he said something to the umpire and he got kicked out of the game. Like there's the fans don't like him. Yeah. It's carry over to the next game. Oh, big time. And and as you mentioned earlier, it's when you play the same guys over Mm -hmm. and over and over again, you're going to start to, when you're a competitive person and you're playing at the highest level possible, if you don't have that spark in your, you know, your eyes saying, I want to beat you. I'm going to beat you however I can. That's going to, we're, we're men. We have testosterone. We're going to fight. That's just what it is. (laughs) There seems to be something happening if I remember rightly, uh, last season between, was it the, the Rays and the Yankees? Yes. 
that's another that's one. Which I, I quite like that. You know, there was quite a, definitely something going on. And when they beat them, am I right in thinking they sang uh, New York, New York? And <laughs> yes, they did. And it, was, <laughs> and it was awesome. Can't wait for the first matchup. <laughs> I love that. That's game to me. It's gamesmanship. Yeah, I think if you earn the win, you earn the right to do something like as long as it's in within guidelines like don't go over yeah, there and like it was that acceptable yeah. yeah but to sing new york new york in your <laughs> locker room after you just knocked the yankees out of the playoffs that's that to me that's hilarious that's awesome I'm, I'm gonna laugh at that all the time <laughs> yeah that's fantastic so i meant to ask you in terms of playing baseball yourself have you always played all through your life as well so i played organized baseball up until high school and then i kind of realized that Probably wasn't going to go too far with it, so I actually, I actually played golf. I like the oh, golf. Nice. Well, you guys are in sky. You guys yeah, like okay. golf. Yeah. You guys, you guys invented it. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, play a bit of golf. But we have this sport here in Chicago called sixteen-inch softball. So this, oh man, I'll give you the quick version. It's a sixteen-inch ball, and it's the outer coat is like a leather. And the more you hit the ball, the softer the ball gets. But when you first start, that thing's hard as a rock. We don't wear gloves. No gloves. Can't wear gloves. You wear gloves, you're going to get made fun of and probably sent home. No gloves. (laughs) But it's a great way for guys that love the game, like myself, that can't play. You know, But we play doubleheaders every Sunday. During the summer in Chicago, you can go to any park and you'll find a 16-inch softball game going on. It's, it's, it's a tradition. Again, it's something our dads did. It's something our grandpas did. Uh, you bring your family to the games, you drink a lot of beer and you just, you have a lot of fun, but I mean, you get broken fingers. You can see my fingers are all broken and busted up, but you get broken fingers from playing with no gloves, but it's all the rules. It's the same rules as baseball. And like I said, I'm 37 and I still play at least two games a week. Fantastic. You talk about rules there as well. So what did you guys make of the rule changes? Man, I'm uh, so I actually I take it back. I'm not mad about all of them. I liked that they got rid of the pitchers hitting last year and they had the DH because yeah. pitchers they can't hit. Nobody wants to watch that. It, it's a waste <laughs> of time. Some some baseball purists will tell you it's you know how the game was meant to be played and it, it brings strategy into the game. And I respect that opinion, but I also respectfully disagree. I, I like I'd rather go and see you know, a DH go up there and hit the ball 500 feet, you know, instead of a pitcher looking at three straight pitches. And it's just like, what was the point of that? But the, the new, new rule that they just introduced, and there's a very specific player that this rule is probably angled to, but they're going to start checking baseballs for foreign substances after almost every pitch. So I'm sure when you guys watch the games, you see like, Pitcher will pitch the ball. The catcher will take it. He'll just toss it to the side, and the ump will throw him a new ball. No yeah. big deal. So now when the catcher throws that ball to the side, someone's taking that ball, and they're going to put it like under – I don't know if it's like a microscope or what they got going on back there, but they're going to be checking it for foreign substances. Now, the player in question is the current highest-paid player in baseball, the newest pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers, Trevor Bauer. Now, the word around the league – and I'm not saying this. I'm just repeating this – is Trevor – you know, puts a little something under his cap or something on his back of his neck or something to give him a little extra movement on the ball. And I mean, that's been around in baseball since the sixties and seventies guys have done that forever, but Trevor. Yeah. So it'll be real interesting to see how that affects how he plays. 
Well, actually, yeah, it's amazing. That. And I, I guess, as you see, people have always found a way to get an edge Absolutely. in some way. We were at the series between the Yankees and the Red Sox in London. Well, was that the game where they hit like 100 home runs? Right. I mean, it, they yeah. want to make the game more exciting because, you know, kids these days, they got the attention span of half a second. You know, some people are saying baseball is too boring. I have a very young son. Uh, he's not even one years old. I'm going to teach that boy the old way of baseball because in this house, you will respect the game. Yeah. But um, yeah, they tried and, you know, there's room. Baseball is never officially confirmed that they did this, but there's been a rumor that they changed the baseball. They call it juiced balls, which I <laughs> giggle when I say that, <laughs> but they call it uh, juiced balls. And we've been seeing a lot of guys hit more home runs, further home runs yeah. on our show, pinwheels and Ivy. We've actually had a couple major league pitchers on there and said the ball, they, we ask them and they get mad. They're like, Oh, they changed the 100%. They changed the ball. I can't get it to break as much. So yeah. it's staying up there. So guys are hitting it a mile. Cause what's the most fun part about baseball? Seeing somebody smash out of the park, seeing someone hit a ball 500 feet and, yeah. you know, doing a bat flip. But so they're trying to get more of that to draw in more audiences to at the end of the day, guys, it's all about money. The, the rumor has it that they've gone back to the old baseball this season, but I hold my doubts. There's also something about different approach. The batters are swinging differently, different launch. Do they call it launch angle? Yes. So is it a different technique? Yeah, and that's a – I mean, I'm kind of impressed that you went into that. De- I mean, that's something Kevin, my co-host Fiddler, K-Fids on the show, he talks about because he he's still a coach and teaching these kids. And, you know, even 10 years ago, they would teach people you want to either swing down and on an even plane yeah, to make even contact with the ball to hit more line drives and doubles. And now these kids coming up, they're telling them to swing up on the ball. Mm-hmm. So to get that launch angle and, and that's fine. And that is creating a lot of these longer home runs, but it's also creating what we call three outcome players. So a three outcome players means when he goes to the plate, it's one of three things is going to happen. He's going to strike out, he's going to fly out, or he's going to hit the ball into another country. So who's the left fielder for the Red Sox? I can't think of his name right now. J.D. J.D. Martinez is a perfect three option. Yeah. He is a three option baseball player. You know, J.D.'s not going to hit a double in the gap too often. He's either going to hit a home run, he's going to strike out, or he's going to fly out. It drives coaches crazy, especially the older school coaches, but we're also seeing some great hitters. David Jr., you brought up Nick Madrigal, who, by the way, is my favorite player I, because he plays the game the old way. Base hits, doubles, speed, uses his brain, good defense. You you notice on his swing when he comes up, he brings the bat up a little bit higher so he can get that more even when he comes through. Where some of these power hitters now, you'll see them drop their hands, and so that way they can get that launch angle up. Something that minor is changing the game drastically. That's why I love baseball. They've, they've seen you. I just remembered something. I think I'm the only person that's not been into a baseball game in Chicago because you've been to Wrigley Field. Yeah, I actually went to both of them. And, uh, ah. I'm back at my uh, photograph album and the tickets that I collected from there, and it was 1999. So I did actually see Frank Thomas play. There you go. Although you. I, just, I kept the box score from it. And I don't think he got a hit. I think he might have uh, got a walk. They walked him a lot, didn't they? Yes, they did, because they were scared of him. Probably wouldn't have pitched to him that much. So 
Yeah, so I really enjoyed going to Comiskey Park. I got a few photographs at the old home plate and there was mm-hmm. something you could do where you were, you put your head through something and you were catching the ball. Yes, <laughs> yes. The, the caricature cutouts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good fun and we also went to exactly what you say about Wrigley, it is really quiet. It's almost like, I don't know, Disneyland for, for baseball, isn't it? And there's some yep. good bars around there right enough. So, yeah, I thought Chicago was a great place to be, actually. Yeah, they got a lot of fun stuff. Even Cubs fans will tell you, uh, on the south side, we have better food and better beer at our park. Yeah. Wrigley is a historical landmark. Like, literally, it's a historical landmark. Yeah. But they also... When it comes to beer, you pretty much are either getting old style, which even in American standards is piss, you know, Miller Lite and stuff like that. But if you go to the South now with craft beers and uh, all these imported beers and stuff like that, if you go to the South Side, they got different beer stations all over the place and different food from all over the world. And You know, I'd love to go now that the craft beer sort of boom over in America. It must be an interesting place to be. I was trying to think of the old, we definitely went to a very old pub somewhere in Chicago, and I just can't remember. Was it on the south side? I'm not actually sure. I'm sure it was, uh, I think it was an, like the name of somebody. Yeah, if I tell, if I say a name, will you remember? Probably. Schiller's? No, it was, I recognize that, but I don't think it was that I was thinking about. Schiller's it was one of the oldest bars in Chicago. It had, unfortunately, it's closed now, but in 99, it was still going. Uh, Schiller's was actually around during Prohibition. They still had the the back doors and everything that people used oh, to wow. sneak in there and drink. Yeah, that, uh, that was right by where the White Sox play. It was a couple blocks away. It's a big yeah, I don't think there. we went for a drink there. I think that was just a sort of – I don't think we really – because it was slightly out of town where we were staying, I think we just got the train in and didn't really – linger about there we just went to the game and enjoyed it and then came back into uh, the center whereas Wrigley we did go to a place called Sluggers I think it was that's where yes, yes. Sluggers Sluggers. they came up with that name they have a batting cage in the bar yeah (laughs) Yeah. I've heard some horror stories Uh, I mean what could go wrong give a guy (laughs) 10 beers and then give him a bat I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> Again, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I've lived here my whole life. I'm raising my son here and so on and so forth. But where the Cubs play, how do I say this, has a little bit less crime than where the White Sox play. You know, when you said you got on the train and got back to the center uh, after the Sox game, it was probably not the worst idea. There's not too much to do around the south side. Uh, they're, they're changing that, though. There's a couple good bars. There's a Cork and Carry that's an Irish bar. It's right by the White Sox. I'll actually be there for the home opener this year. Yeah, there's, they're, they're trying to change that a little bit of the White Sox. But, yes, the, going to a Cubs game is more of a like all-day and all-night experience where you go to the White yeah. Sox game, you go early, you tailgate, you have a good time at the game, and then usually you find yourself into uh, back in your own neighborhood or whatever you need to do. And of course, there's some famous fans as well who've enjoyed that experience over the years, so none more so than former President Barack Obama, who a big White Sox fan, I believe. Yep, we got him. He's one of our, we don't, <laughs> the, Cubs have, uh, the Cubs have a little bit more of a history of having celebrities again, and that's just more of the national, you know, their biggest one is like Bill Murray. 
I know he loves the Scots, but the White Sox, you know, Barack's a big Sox fan. He threw out the first pitch. He wore his White Sox hat in the White House, which, you know, for kids like me that grew up on the South Side, that was so cool to see. To see the president of the United States wearing a White Sox hat, that was really, really something I would have never thought I would ever see in my lifetime. We've got a Scottish kind of White Sox fan. Have you ever heard of the film Train Spotting? So yes, absolutely yeah, so, yes. So the the man who wrote that book, uh, Irvin Welsh, he's a Scotsman. He's a Sox fan. He, he's a big Sox fan. Yeah. Does, did he not live in Chicago as well? Dave yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he lived there, and he, he he really likes the White Sox and the, the Blackhawks as well. I think he's I think he's into the hockey. You guys just taught me something awesome. <laughs> His books are good as well. If you get a chance to read them, they're like a good read. Danny Boyle was the director of the movie, but it was based on a book by Irving Welsh, who um, was from Edinburgh. Leith, um, he wrote the book in about 1990 and the, the film. Okay, was- yeah, I got him right here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to get back on Twitter and tell him, you know, I just had this great <laughs> conversation with my new... <laughs> My new friends in Scotland, I just learned something new. That's awesome. I love that movie. That movie's awesome. Pinwheels and Ivy as well. It's a great name for a podcast. So Thank you. could you tell our, our listeners that might not quite get the connection and maybe don't know the history so well, why Pinwheels and Ivy? Um, so the Ivy comes from the Ivy on the outfield walls in Wrigley Field. It's famous Ivy. Everybody knows the Ivy. My uncle actually took a piss on the Ivy. Uh, <laughs> that was, he said, he's got a picture. It's pretty funny. Um, and then the pinwheels. So back in the seventies, a gentleman by the name of Bill Vack was the owner of the White Sox. And he actually, they call him the godfather of innovation when it comes to all the cool stuff you see at baseball games now. So Bill one day wanted to make baseball more exciting. And he said, you know what? When someone hits a home run, I want our scoreboard to explode. I want fireworks. I want it to go crazy. That actually started with the White Sox. They're the first team that did that. And out of the top of the scoreboard, they have these little pinwheel looking things that look like that, that light up and they spin around like, and the fireworks shoot out the top every time someone on the White Sox hits a home run. So the pinwheels kind of became synonymous with the White Sox. So pinwheels and Ivy. Covering both bases, so to speak. Yes. So yeah, I know that's a, that sounds good. Is that right? about three years that's been running for? Is that right? It seems like fifty, but yeah, it's been, <laughs> uh, it's been about three years. You know, we were lucky enough to be live when the Cubs won their World Series. I got to be honest with you, fellas. I did go to one of the playoff games, the Cubs playoff games. I went to the game in Wrigley when they were playing the Dodgers, and the Cubs actually hit a grand slam. I've been to a lot of sporting events in my life. I've been to a lot of the Blackhawks games when they were winning championships and that stadium, you could feel the floor vibrate because people were going so crazy and it was so loud when they hit the grand slam in that playoff game. Cause you got to remember Cubs fans waited 108 years to win a world series, 108 years. And so when he hit that grand slam to win that game, I've never been in an atmosphere like that my entire life. I mean, my chest was rattling because it was so loud. It made your bones rattle. Someone that's not a Cubs fan, I was even like, this is awesome. This is this is probably, this is up there with one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. I was really just wondering how you see this season panning out for us. You know, it's, it's been, again, a, a little bit 
sad last few days with Eloy's news. Yes. I was so excited to see how he progressed this year. Again, I know that everybody seems to be talking about, about Lewis Robert, but you know, I just love Eloy. I think he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great guy. He looks like a great guy to have in the you know the locker room. He just mm-hmm. he engages so well with everyone. I think he's fantastic. You know, I think we've added so well to the team through the last few months. I know Dave's quite a big fan of Liam Hendricks as well. I, again, he's I think he had a good outing today. I, I think we've added really well to the team, and I was just wondering how you see. I know how you want the season to go, but how do you feel <laughs> things things will go? Uh, losing Eloy hurts a lot. Obviously, he stinks as an outfielder. And that's actually what got him hurt was being kind of stupid out there. It's not the um, first time he's done it as well. No, it's, it yeah. definitely is not. He's he's a goofball and it gets him hurt. But as a hitter, I mean, he's top. He's choice. You know, he's effortless power. It's going to hurt the White Sox. But the good thing is, if this was two years ago, I would say we're in a big, big heap of trouble. But this year, this lineup top to bottom is so well put together that even with a guy like Aloy missing, this team, I think, should win the Central Division. We have what I think is a top three bullpen with the addition of your guy, Liam Hendricks. That guy's a psycho. I love that guy. (laughs) They said he had had, uh, kidney stones. And he took care of those bad boys and was like, can I pitch now? And they're like, Jesus, man, what are you doing? Take a break. Spring and I'll say that's why. <laughs> yeah, it's spring training, man. Take take a break, bud. But I like that. I like how he's a little uh, couple, I like to say a couple beers short of a six-pack upstairs. You know, he's, he's a little goofy. He seems to have really kind of, since he joined, he's really ingratiated himself with Chicago. Um, oh, he seems yeah. to just really, he wants to be part of the city. The first thing he did probably within five hours of the signing, you know, the signing news coming out, um, him and his wife made a very large charitable donation to a local charity in Chicago. And he's only been on the team. What now? Probably two months. And he's already started his own charity here in Chicago to help some of these inner city kids that, you know, and he's, he's doing it the right way. When you come into a city and everyone in the city knows that you just got what, like $30 million to turn around and give some of that back to the city, especially a city like Chicago. That's a good thing. That's how you're going to get in good with the fans top to bottom. I mean, you look at this lineup, we have Tim Anderson who won the batting title two years ago. He should have won it last year and he looks great in this spring training. My co-host Fids likes to say that Tim Anderson is the straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. on the south side he's the mouth he's the motivator the man never shuts up but it's okay because he could back it up on the field with how he plays Yoan Mankata didn't have a great year last year but that's because he unfortunately he got the COVID but he fully admitted you know my body never really healed he took this offseason to heal up I think he hit a home run today that still hasn't landed I mean he just destroyed a baseball today so we have him back he's healthy Uh, Jose Abreu won the MVP last year. Yasmani Grandal is arguably the best catcher in the American League. My guy, Nick Madrigal, you know, he's going to hit in the 300s this year. Uh, They added Adam Adam Eaton in right field. I wasn't a huge fan of the signing. I think they could have went in a different direction. Uh, He was kind of a familiar face at a good price. So they're like, hey, come on in. But he also brings a lot of valuable experience to the team. Who did you want to zoom? I would have took, I really wanted Jock Peterson, 
by the way, they tried to get, and he thought he was going to make a ton more money than they offered him. So he said no. And then he waited around and no one offered him more money. So then he actually took less money to play with the damn Cubs. And now he's hitting the cover off the ball for the Cubs in spring training. I think he's got like six home runs this spring training and it's driving me insane because he would have been a perfect fit. And then you mentioned Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn could easily win rookie of the year this year. Very rarely do you get these kids that are coming straight out of college that have a major league ready swing right from the get go. And that's what he has. Uh, He's a very smart hitter. You already see that in spring training. He's taking walks. He's working deep into counts. The cherry on top of all this, it's La Pantera, the Panther, Mm -hmm. at Robert. You talk about a five-tool athlete, he can hit, he can run, he can field, he's got a cannon for an arm. I mean, he He just needs to, he just needs to bulk up a bit. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought you were serious for a minute. I was like, if you think he needs to bulk up, I'd hate to, I hate for you to see what I got going on over here. But yeah, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a tank. He actually just signed a huge deal with Adidas. Sometimes when you get a younger player, especially when you get a younger player that's never been in America before, coming mm-hmm. from, you know, where where Luis Robert came from, it's it's, it's very poverty stricken. You know, they show clips of him playing on a, just literally like a dirt field. And some of the guys didn't even have shoes on, like, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden now you're in the city of Chicago and you have millions of dollars. So sometimes you get a little bit worried that these guys will get involved in some not so great things or they'll lose (laughs) focus. So the difference though with Luis Robert is Luis Robert already has a daughter and he has a girl back home and he. He's a very good father to her. He posts on his Instagram. He's always putting pictures of her and how much he loves her. And he has that as a motivator. And, you know, as being a new dad, I can tell you right now, there's nothing more motivating than having a a young kid at home. And um, you could tell he's very, very focused. And I I think that's one of the reasons why he's going to be something very, very special. Even though your boy on the Mariners took away that rookie of the year from him, but he deserved that. He the Mariners got something real special going on over there. Mariners are going to be a really good team in a couple of years. Yeah, I think they're building in the right direction as well. And and for the White Sox, when you lay it all out like that, Zoe and Dave Jr., that's a ball club with a lot to look forward to here mm-hmm. and now, I think, this season. Yeah, probably one of the biggest moves the White Sox made this offseason was hiring a new pitching coach. They, they parted ways with uh, Don Cooper. Don has been the pitching coach. We call him uh, Teflon Don on the South side because he's dodged so many bullets. He's somehow kept his job for so many years. It was time for him to go. He was a little stuck in his ways and baseball has become such a sport with, you know, all this technology now and advanced stats and metrics and like they can compute like fingernail angles on pitch. It's crazy. And Don didn't want to hear any of that. Three years ago, Lucas Giolito was the worst pitcher in baseball. Like statistically, he literally yeah. was the worst pitcher in baseball. So Lucas went home to his high school pitching coach, Ethan Katz, and was like, I don't know what's going on. And what they did is Lucas was bringing the ball all the way back here when he was throwing. Ethan has him bringing it short and then following through. Now Lucas Giolito is an all-star who could easily win a Cy Young this year. After that story got around, Ethan Katz got hired by the Giants the San Francisco mm-hmm. Giants to be an assistant bullpen, some or other. And the White Sox basically were like, no, nah, that's dumb. Come on. You're our pitching coach now. Okay. So he got a big promotion and he's the pitching coach. And 
those guys that you mentioned at the bottom of the rotation, your Dylan Cease, your Carlos Rodon, they're guys that are going to, I think we're going to see a huge improvement on because of the hiring of Ethan Katz. So we're obviously, we're sitting here three and a half thousand miles away uh, from Chicago. Was it a surprise to you to learn that there were people in Scotland and in the UK in general and a growing community of baseball fans? So huge surprise. I kind of knew that the game was growing over there a little bit. And I knew the ser- the Red Sox Yankees series was a great way to, you know, do that. But I had, when you guys reached out and were like, hey, we're a baseball podcast in Scotland, I honestly thought you guys were just messing with me. <laughs> That's how you guys were joking around. And I was like, I was like, okay, you know, I'll play around. And then I uh, I looked into it and I was like, oh, these guys are real. I was like, this is awesome. And Kerry the Urban Welsh lived in the Lakeview area of Chicago. So okay. I don't know what the Lakeview neighborhood is like. I suspect it's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was in Chicago for the week, we 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 had bikes and we cycled along the lake quite a lot as well. So you can yes. actually go quite a distance, but you then get back and you look at your Strava stats and you've done like 35 miles and you've climbed one foot. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I am jealous of is I love that you guys have, if a team stinks, they go down yeah. a league. I love that. I wish they did that some in some way or form in base. Cause you know, in baseball, we have single A, double A, triple A major leagues. Yeah. So, like, I won't say the Tigers. Normally, no, I would say some, the Tigers. Someone else in our podcast uh, yeah, has say, to the Tigers in this sense. So, so yeah, you can go, you say, can go there. <laughs> we'll, say, we'll say the Royals. So, if the Royals stink, they should go to AAA, and then the best team in AAA should come up to major leagues. That'd be awesome. There's no way they'll ever do that because of money, but that would be awesome. Now, you guys have me curious. So, my brother's team, I don't know, and don't get mad at me. This is my brother. Chelsea? Yeah, I thought when you yeah. said blue, I thought I bet he's a Chelsea fan. Yeah. Okay, yeah. is that good? I don't know what that. No, they're they're a good team. They play. They're in the West End of London, so okay. A trendy part of London, kind of trendy team. That okay. Chelsea, yeah. I feel like a lot of American football, American well, you guys football fans are going to pick the trendy teams when it comes to soccer. Just yeah, that makes sense. It's the yeah soccer's equivalent of the Yankees. That's what a lot of these teams are: Manchester United. Chelsea. So, yeah, he just sent me a picture of him wearing head-to-toe Chelsea gear. <laughs> I've always been somewhat jealous. Like I said, Chicago is a very passionate sports city, but it's never had the the passion that I've seen over in Europe when it comes to your football teams. Like, is that just something that how it works here, where you're born and whoever your dad's a fan of, you're usually just become yeah. a fan of that team, and it's just how it goes, or? We found that dynamic when we compare it to baseball to be really quite interesting because over here, if your football team plays, generally you've got a week until the next game. You can either ride you know, the crest of a wave for a week or you hate your team, everybody stinks, everybody's terrible for a week. But we often thought with baseball, the next game tends to be one day away. You, know, you don't have to go through that cycle of pain or joy for too long. There's also a bit there, I think, Dave Jr., about the fact that our teams never move city, if you know what I mean, Zoe. And I know a lot of baseball teams have stayed in, in their area, but others have gone from coast to coast to look at the Dodgers. And, and soccer teams virtually never, ever leave the area they've been in for like 100, 120 years. Generally, a family thing. You'll, you'll support who your, who your dad supported. In, in the UK, the NFL outstrips any other American sport 
so that makes it hard for us uh, as Brits to understand that hierarchy of baseball, football, basketball and hockey. Mm -hmm. Is it a hierarchy? Oh, without a doubt. American football, number one. Yeah, they make the most money. And I think part of it, to Dave Jr.'s point, is because they only play, you know, your team plays one game a week. So then yep. you just have like the, but football is dominant. I would say number two then would probably be basketball, just because a couple of reasons. Basketball is a little bit more global. You could thank Michael Jordan for that, Chicago. The other reason why I think basketball is so all you really need to play basketball a ball and. I mean, there's, that's one of the cool things about Chicago. We have, so when you make a basket in basketball, it's called, we call it getting a bucket. So there's a saying in Chicago, when you play basketball, people start yelling out, Chicago gets buckets. Like we love our basketball in Chicago. It's, and a big part of that is because of Michael Jordan. And, you know, if you grew up in the nineties, you're obsessed with Michael Jordan bulls. My four month old son has two pairs of Jordan shoes already and (laughs) Jordan shirts and everything. And then baseball would probably be number three. Again, once I I mentioned it earlier, um, just the way the world's going, baseball being a little bit more slow paced. uh, Some of the younger generations aren't really picking up on as much. And then unfortunately I'm a big hockey guy, but unfortunately hockey doesn't get a lot of love in America and not at least as much as you would think. Obviously it's a Canadian sport. It's huge in Canada. It's number one in Canada. For some reason, still that out of the four major sports, that's definitely number four, but they're 100% is a hierarchy. In the last 18 months or so, we've, uh, again, in soccer in the UK and and actually in, in the wider Europe, we have introduced a thing called VAR into our game. Okay. And what happens now is Generally, a football game, or sorry, a soccer game for well, 90 minutes. You can say minutes, football, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty much stop-start. It would pretty much flow for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. But now, for any major decision, the whole game stops. And you can quite often get these reviews. So the referee, the umpire, would go over, check the monitors. It can take up to four or five minutes at times for a decision to be made. Now, historically, that would have been you know, the referee's call on the pitch. That's mm-hmm. the final call. And then if he gets it wrong at the end of the game, so be it. And people talk about it on phone-ins or newspapers for the next few days. Mm-hmm. But now it instantly goes to a panel based in a completely different city. You know, trigger something on the guy's watch to say, yep. listen, you might want to go and have a look at this again. They'll go over to the side of the pitch and look at, you know, two, three, four different angles, which can it, it really is painstaking. Bear in mind, by that point, you could have someone scored a goal. You've got that joyous, celebratory moment. And then the referee says, actually, hold on. I'm going to go and check to see if the goal was legal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you could have that disallowed or you could have it, it given. So it, it, there is quite a debate in the UK just now. Is this a good thing to get to the right decision? Are we taking something out of the game? So that's that's probably that's the big technology talking point in the UK. I mean, Major League Baseball introduced replay just a couple of years ago. Same deal. You know, a close play at second. Hold on. We got to go and talk to the guys in the control center in New York to see what they see. And you wait around. And if you there's something like you can only be wrong once or something. I don't know. It it, it definitely it interrupts the flow of the game. It takes away the, the human element of the game, you know. And now one of the big debates here in America about baseball, guys, you're going to think I'm crazy. 
I promise you, I've only had two of these. I'm not, I'm not losing it. It's uh, robot umpires to call, <laughs> yes. to, call, to call balls and strikes. So they're never wrong. So there'll be the strike zone and then they got a robot back there. So wherever <laughs> the ball comes in, it's 100% accurate, a ball or a strike. I think that's, I get upset. I'll be watching a Sox game and Lucas Giolito will throw a perfect pitch and he'll call it a ball. And I'll be like, I'll even tweet out. I'll be like robot umps now. And that's just me <laughs> being stupid. Cause I'm upset. But if you think about it, I think that takes away so much yeah. from the game. You know, yeah. you got to have that. I want to have something to talk about. I want to get mad on Twitter. I want to be like, Oh, what a shitty call. I want to get upset. I want, and if you, if you have that robot umps, it, it, it takes away that human element and it takes away, you know, the, the unknown of the game, like yeah. sports gambling has become legal now across the States and different places. You know, it's not just Vegas anymore. And I mean, you got guys that'll come up and I'll get text messages like, Hey man, I saw this umpire at the bar until 4am last night. You might want to, and it's just like, okay, well, this guy's going to be hung over. So maybe he's going to be calling a shitty game. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. Call me old school. Call me what you want. I just, I, I don't want robot umps. I'm not ready for that yet. I can see why robot umps mean that you get the right decision. But what we were talking about earlier, when we talk about like soccer and sport and that, it's like a passion. It's like the excitement of the moment. It's actually been in there. And that little bit of human error maybe adds something as well. Maybe just ask you, talking of other sports, what would be on your, your bucket list for coming to Scotland and playing golf? Well, you got to play the, the home of golf. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've looked into it, but... To be honest with you, just really anywhere in Scotland would just yeah. be fantastic. One, because I'm in Scotland. I, I My passport exactly doesn't have a ton of stamps on it. We'll put it that way. So I would love to go. I love, you know, you see the country and TV shows and movies and stuff like that. It looks beautiful. To play around the golf where it all started, St. Andrews would just be, you know, yeah. a dream come true. Guys, thank you so much for having me on the show. This has been a ton of fun. On that note, so can you perhaps just again let everyone know where they can follow you or how they can listen to the podcast? Absolutely. So the podcast on Twitter is at Pinwheels IV Pod. Me personally, I'm at Southside Zoe. We're on every major iTunes, Spotify. I mean, if you follow us on Twitter, you could definitely find us. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Highland Bullpen. We're also featuring on all the usual social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for the Highland Bullpen. On Twitter, our handle is at H-B-U-L-L-P-E-N, at H-Bullpen. At Instagram, it's Highland underscore Bullpen. And Facebook is quite simply the Highland Bullpen. We've also got our email address, highlandbullpen at gmail.com. We really appreciate those of you who've got in touch, asking questions. We are here to learn ourselves and we're here to help you guys learn as well. So feel free to contact us and follow us on any of those channels. Thanks for that, Alan. And like all baseball fans, we now just can't wait for the first pitch of the new season. We'll be back with a special opening day episode of the Highland Bullpen podcast in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks to Southside Zoo and everyone at Pinwheels and Ivy, and we'll see you next time.